weeks ago we began a series and thought it was a great time to talk about unwrapping some things. When you get ready for Christmas time, one of the things that you find is, is the anticipation of the moment when you sit down and you unwrap something that you have not seen. Now, the older you get, the less that happens. Because you tell everybody what you want. In fact, you've got to the point that a lot of you say, don't buy me a present, just give me a gift card. The problem with that is, as wonderful as a gift card may be, you don't get to really unwrap the surprise of the moment. So over the past few weeks, we've been talking about unwrapping some things. The first week, uh, we, we talked about unwrapping relationships, of how that you and I uh, have to understand how our relationships affect every aspect of our life. Second week, we talked about unwrapping forgiveness, and that one kind of kind of dug into some areas of our lives that some of us went some places maybe we didn't really want to unwrap, uh, but hopefully it's been helpful to us. Last week we talked about unwrapping value, how that God created us in His image and His likeness and that each of you are valuable. Today we're going to be talking about unwrapping love. Now I want to tell you something, during the Christmas season you better have some love because you're going to be spending time with family. Do I need to say more? Take your Bibles, if you would, or whatever you've got the Word of God downloaded on, and let's go to the book of Matthew, the first chapter. It's a very familiar story. Most of you are going to be familiar with it, but let's read it together. The book of Matthew, the first chapter, beginning in verse 18, says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are giving the name Jesus because, now here's the key, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, the, the whole purpose of Christmas, the whole purpose of this season, a lot of times we kind of turn it upside down. And it's, it's kind of like the, the, the story, the underlying reason for Christmas is love. Our problem is, is that we get caught up with everything from Black Friday uh, to, to every other mechanism. And, and here's what I hear all the time at, at this time of year. People come by and they say to me, Pastor, I will be so glad when this season is over. And you know what? A lot of times I felt the same way. It's kind of like, man, people get frustrated their minds are in 5,000 places they 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 don't come to church faithfully they're they're running here and there you know they're kind of like the devil running to and fro seeking whom they may devour and all the aspects that go into that but I, I just have been looking at this whole season a little bit differently this year and and uh, I think one of the aspects is that we have to understand in this story 
we can kind of get lost in the story because we're so familiar with it. It's, it, it's kind of like one of those tunes that, that you hear playing uh, somewhere in a store and you don't really pay attention, but all day long you find yourself singing this song. And it's kind of that whole deal. It's, it's, we know about the story. We know about what Jesus Christ did. We know about his coming to the earth. But we miss out on the whole aspect of what love is all about. And so today, I want to help us to unwrap this aspect of love. And I want to show us out of this story, out of, out of this, this happening that took place 2,000 plus years ago, how that love is demonstrated at three levels. And when we begin to understand how that love comes to us, and then how that we exhibit love ourselves, then we really can live out this season not saying, man, I'll be glad when this season is over, but really genuinely enjoying this time so that we know what God has done for us and what He means to us. The, the first aspect of love, if you want to take notes today, is God's love for humanity. The, the Word of God is quite clear uh, that God loved us first that he came first to us. In, in fact, when you begin to study scripture, you find out in the book of Genesis that the Bible says, and God created the heavens and the earth, where earth was out form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then it goes through this whole process of God speaking things into existence until he comes to humanity. When he comes to mankind, the Bible says that he created man in his image and after his likeness. And the scripture says, and God breathed into man the breath of living life. And we talked about that a little bit last week. So when, what we see here is that God created us. Watch this. God did not create us because he needed us. He is the all-sufficient one. That's one of his titles in Scripture. The all, how many of you know if you are the all-sufficient one, you don't need anything, right? And I've had other people say, well, God created mankind because he was lonely. Really? Again, the all-sufficient one, the El Shaddai, the, the great I Am, Scripture calls him. Uh, he, he's got the heavens filled with angels. He lives in a place that you and I can only imagine. And, and he's lonely. I don't think God was lonely. The reason that God created mankind is because God wanted to show his love to us. He, he wanted us to understand how much he cared about us and how much he genuinely loved us. The, the, the Bible lets us know that God, is the source of all love. The, the book of 1 John, the fourth chapter, says that we know this and we rely upon this, that God, His love is, is demonstrated to us, and then it goes on and says that God is love. Every aspect of who God is. You can say, well, God is this, God is that, God is the other. All of that's probably true, but the overarching part that we need to understand is that God is love. Now, if God is love, then why do we live in fear of him? Why do we constantly walk around? How many times have we been told from the time of a child, if you do that, God will get you, right? Uh, or, or the next best thing is if you do that, pastor will get you. I wish y'all would quit using me to discipline your kids, <laughs> all right? Uh, whatever the issues are, instead of understanding that God is love. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not justice and all these things, but, but God's characteristic, His entirety of His being is love. And so He brings that love to us. He demonstrates that love to us. He is the source. If you have love for somebody, it means that God has given you that ability, First John says, so that you can in turn 
love somebody. Now, I, I want to help you. The scripture there says in this story that we read today that the reason that Jesus came to this earth, the reason that God sent him was so that you and I could be saved. Jesus came for one purpose. He came to demonstrate God's love on this earth. When you study the Old Testament, you kind of get lost in all of the aspects of how great God is, how holy God is, and, and really downright frightening at times. Now, I know we're being religious and we're going, oh, no. Yes. He was so frightening that the Israelites told Moses one day, they said, uh, you go talk to him, we'll stay down here. They, they said, he freaks us out. Okay, that's not what the King James Version says, but that's what they're saying. He messes with us. He shows up, and there's vapor and thunder and lightning, and he speaks, and he shakes the ground. Here's, we'll make a deal, Moses. You go talk to him. We won't. Why? Because he comes across in this awesomeness. But you know what? God didn't start off in that dimension. The Scripture says God started off coming down daily to talk to man. He showed up every day in the garden to spend time with men. God's desire was to show mankind how much he loved them by daily having communion with them, by daily spending time with them. But man messed it up. Man is the one who broke the relationship. Man is the one who decided they wanted to do their own thing. And because of that, then God's great love had to begin to be demonstrated. And all of a sudden, we get all the laws and we get all the regulations and we get all the things that go along with that but it's not because God is trying to show us his awesomeness it is because God is trying to show us a path into his love and so all the Old Testament is about the Bible says it this way the scripture says that the Old Testament was a schoolmaster a teacher bringing us to Jesus Christ that his love is demonstrated in Jesus. If you want to know how much God loves you, look at Jesus. If you want to know if you are genuinely loved, look at Jesus. Jesus left the splendor of heaven. Can you wrap your brain around heaven? I can't. I mean, heaven is just beyond my imagination. And yet, God sent his only begotten son from the heavenlies into this earthly realm so that you and I could experience his love. That's the first aspect. In fact, that is the greatest above all else is the aspect of God's love for humanity. But there's another part of, of love, and that is humanity's love for God. When you begin to read this story, in fact, if you, if you go home today and look in the book of Luke where it kind of uh, expands on this story, what you find is, is that you find Mary, a young teenage girl who's just going about her business. She's just living life, and all of a sudden, an angel shows up. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm just, you know, at home or at the office or whatever, and all of a sudden, this angel shows up, that's kind of freaky. Oh, no, I get up and daily angels, you're weird. These people who, you know, it's uh, the angels escort me here and I escort you. You guys freak me out. All right. I mean, if an angel shows up, that's just strange. That's just weird. I, I don't want that happening every day. It's just not something I'm looking forward to every moment. In fact, I, I'll prove to you how awesome it is and how, how scary it is. Most of the time when an angel shows up, the first two words are fear not. It must be pretty intimidating for an angel to show up. 
So this angel shows up, Mary's about her business, and the scripture says that the angel tells her, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you, you're going to have a baby, this whole process. And, and Mary is, is dealing with this. Can you imagine in that moment, you've just been living life, and in just an instant, your life is turned upside down, and this angel says to you, hey, by the way, you're going to have a baby, and she goes, How's that going to happen? I haven't been intimate with any man. And they said, don't sweat it. <laughs> really? Don't sweat it. Okay. It'll be cool. It'll be all right. Don't worry about it. Now, here's what's wonderful about Mary. Mary says back to the angel, be it unto me according to your word. See, the first aspect is God's love for humanity. The second aspect of love is humanity's love for God. Mary demonstrates in this story this love that transcends what we can understand. Because get this, we read this and we go, oh, isn't that wonderful? Do you know what Mary is getting ready to go through? First of all, she's going to have to go to her mom and dad and say, sit down, we got to talk. And we're going to have to say, um, hey, Mom, hey, Dad, I got something to tell you. Now, see, I can tell most of us don't think that, but Mom and Daddy had to be told. And, and here's the conversation. Um, I'm pregnant. And Dad goes, I knew that Joseph guy was no good from the first time I saw him. Right? He's older than you are. I knew the first time he ate supper at this house that there was something wrong with that guy. And, and she goes, no, 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 it's not Joseph. And they go, well, who is it? <laughs> I mean, we, we might could understand Joseph, but you're telling us. And, and she goes, uh, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and they go, right, Holy Spirit. No, really, come on. Think about it. Well, here, here's my question. When the angel came to her, why couldn't he just gone down the hall? When he got through, no, come on, if you're a parent. When he got through telling Mary, why didn't he just go down the hall to the next room where Mary's mom and dad were and say, oh, yeah, by the way, here's what I just told Mary. Would that have not made things a lot simpler? I mean, would that not have made this whole thing flow a lot better? But, but the Word of God doesn't indicate that at all. So, so Mary, Mary is at this moment determining her life's direction, knowing that from this day forward, she's going to be talked about. She's going to be gossiped on. Everybody's going to say that's the girl who got pregnant and wasn't married. And, and in fact, the Scripture tells us that the entirety of Jesus' life, he was referred to as an illegitimate child. What she is doing at that moment is exhibited in her attitude. Here's what I find interesting. I find very interesting that we always blame God for the bad stuff. Our attitude is, as long as everything good is happening, then that's wonderful. But as soon as something bad happens, think about this. We've all seen it on the news in the last few weeks with the tragedy in Connecticut. And, and how many times have you heard somebody say, where was God? Now, my question is, is the 364 days of the year that that did not happen, how many people were praising God? 
See, it's easy for us in the moment when God does not show up the way that we think that he ought to show up for us to begin to blame him. But true love says my attitude is an attitude of gratefulness, God, and I will thank you in the good times, but I will also be thankful to you when everything is not going the way that I want it to because that's true love. True love. The, the Bible says it this way. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. True love is exhibited by my attitude of obedience. When I am willing to live my life in obedience to what God has called me to, then my love is shown. It's, it's easy to say, I love you. It's easy to show up at church and say, I love God. It's something else when we get into those moments where we know that life is going to be different. I mean, Mary's life is changing drastically. But she loves God and she chooses to accept what God says. So there's God's love for humanity. There's humanity's love for God. And then, again, in this story, Joseph shows us humanity's love for each other. When you look at the story of Joseph, I mean, can you imagine? Uh, all of a sudden, you know, he, he's noticed she's putting on some weight. Uh, he keeps looking at her and going, maybe you shouldn't eat so much. Which is always the wrong thing to say as a man. You know, maybe you shouldn't, whatever. But all of a sudden, you know, she starts. Boy, y'all are not fun at all. <laughs> I mean, all of a sudden, her belly starts swelling. And, it, and, he, and he looks at her and says, uh, Mary, I've been noticing. She said, I got something to tell you. He said, it's not mine. <laughs> and she tells him the whole Holy Spirit thing. And he goes, hmm, I don't know. You say, I don't believe he told that she told him. I believe she did. I mean, come on, she would have told him. He knew she was pregnant. The Bible says he was going to put her away, so he knows she's pregnant. Don't you think they had the conversation? They're not just looking at each other going, how are you? I mean, they're, they're dealing with this. And, and, and she's giving him all the explanation, but he still is struggling with it until he has a dream. And in that dream, God speaks to him and says to him, this is of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that he then takes her, and you, you read the whole context there, you find uh, where he, uh, he loves her and provides for her and takes care of her the rest of her life uh, as in, in that love relationship. But in, in that moment, what we have to understand is, is that love is laying down my life. Love means I am willing to give up my wants for someone else that's what humanity's love now lust says give me give me give me the word lust some of you just got a little afraid because you got kids in here we do have classes anyway the the, the word lust means strong desires the, the word lust means not just sexual desire but here's what i find all the time I find all the time where people will say, and everybody in here has heard this statement. People will be in a relationship, a married relationship, and then they will show up and they will say something like this. Uh, we have a marriage trouble. Okay, what's the deal? Well, I love them, but I'm not. 
Oh, you heard it too. I'm not in love. That means that the hormones aren't rushing. That means that the feeling isn't there for the moment. And so what happens is, is that we, we want to trade in. We want a, you know, a new model. We want whatever. Instead of understanding that love says, I am willing to sacrifice what I want so somebody else can have what they need. That's what love is all about. So you have this whole aspect here today. You have the aspect of God's love for man, man's love for God, and then humanity's love for each other. The interesting thing is this, is that love is about meeting the needs of others. It's, it's that, that whole lifestyle of saying, here's what I want in my life. I don't want it to be all about me. Now, you expect that when they're seven. You might even expect that when they're teenagers. But at some point, it's got to quit being about me, 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 me. And it's got to start being about the others that are around me. And, and so the, the whole aspect today is this. Here's, let, let me kind of wrap everything up with three ways that you and I can live out love. Number one is this. Learn, in, in living out this whole thing of love, learn this. You have to respect others' wants. That's what it means to love, is to respect other people's wants. Now, here's what's going to happen today. When service is over, you're, go you're going to have this experience today. You're going to get in the car, and you're going to say, where do you want to eat? You, you know the story, right? And they're going to say, I don't care. Right? Come on, whoever starts the conversation, the other one's going to say, I don't care. And they'll say, where do you want to eat? And you'll say, well, I don't care. And you'll do this anywhere from 2 minutes to 20 minutes. It's according to, you know, when your ADD kicks in. And then at some moment, somebody is going to say, I want to go here. And as soon as they do, the other one's going to say, I don't want to eat there. <laughs> and I'm usually the other one. In fact, yesterday we, we, were, we were going to eat, Sherry, just the two of us, Sherry and I, we were going to eat, and we, we had this conversation as we left the house and headed this way, and, and I said, where do you want to eat? She said, I don't care, and I said, where do you want to eat? And she said, and, and I'm, I'm thinking we're going to play this a while. Because, <laughs> you know, we got a routine. We, we at least go back, I don't care, at least three or four times. The second time into it, she goes, I want to go to, I won't name the name, Long John Silver. She said, I want to. I want to go there. And, and my first response was, I don't want to go there. But I knew I was preaching this sermon. <laughs> and so I knew I was going to be stuck today. So I go, okay, let's go. It was horrible. <laughs> it was just bad. But I did it with joy. I mean, I was, I was happy to go, and I was happier to leave. <laughs> but but the, the, the whole aspect is truly, in our lives, is, is that it really is love, is really respecting others' wants. The, the second way to live out love is limiting my rights. Now, that's hard to do. We, we live in a nation of rights, and thank God for the Bill of Rights and, and all those things. But, but sometimes as Christians, 
we spend way too much time talking about our rights and not talking about love. Love will limit your rights. Jesus had the right not to come and die upon a cross. But he gave up that right. In fact, one of the, one of the scriptures says that though he were equal with God, he took upon himself the form of man and submitted to the cross. He came so that you and I could experience life, but he had the right. I mean, the, the Word of God says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it says, and without him, nothing was made. Don't you think that he could have held up for his, this? I don't want to do this, I don't want it, and yet he was willing to do that. The Apostle Paul talks about it in the New Testament. He talks to us, and he, he says to us, he says, first of all, everything is legal. Everything is lawful for you as a Christian. He said, he said, I can do anything. But he said, I won't be brought under the dominion or under the control of anything. But then he talks about this whole aspect of liberty. He said, you have this liberty in your life. You have this way of, of living life that's wonderful. But he said, in my life, he said, if I cause anybody to sin, he said, even if it's overeating meat, he said, I choose to limit my rights so that this person can walk with God. I, I, I want to talk to us for a moment. As a Christian, if you are a believer in Christ today, you at moments need to limit your rights out of love. It's not legalism. It's not somebody holding something over your head to beat you down. It is the willingness to say it's more important that I am an example to somebody else than it is for me to live out of my rights and what I have. And so it's that aspect. Love means limiting my rights. I'm not going to always demand my way. I'm going to live with an understanding that love means limiting my rights. The third and final way that we do this every day of our life, I think this can be done, and that is encouraging others' potential. One of the greatest ways that you show people love is by encouraging them. It, it really is. Every one of us can tell a story about somebody who encouraged us. Everybody, I mean, people, people can be in their 50s and they'll start talking to you and telling you about a third grade teacher. Now, here's, here's the kind of the quandary of that. One thing is it's great that they still remember. The bad thing is, is that there hasn't been anybody else since the third grade. There's a guy in Scripture named Barnabas, and they refer to him as the son of consolation or the son of encouragement. And he is the guy, when everybody else was afraid of a guy named Saul who had been killing Christians, but had supposedly had an encounter with God, Barnabas, this encourager, is the one who goes out to Saul, who mentors him, who loves him, and who brings him into fellowship, and then Saul then becomes Paul and writes two-thirds of the New Testament. Why? Because somebody encouraged him. Now, some of us have a gift. It is not the gift of encouragement. It is the gift of destruction. It is the gift of always, well, I know you think you could do that, but let me tell you, I had a friend who tried that one time. Come on, you know those people. 
And, and, I, and I'm not talking about just being stupid. I'm not talking about just living in a fantasy world. But I do believe that if I really love somebody, I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to encourage their dreams, their vision, whatever it is that they want to do. I'm going to be the person who's the biggest cheerleader in their corner. I'm going to be the one who is there when they're going through the tough time. See, let me close with this. Here's what love is. Love is a choice. Love's not a feeling. Love's a choice. But that choice to really be loved is wrapped in an action. In other words, I can't tell you I love you without showing you I love you. James said it this way. He's talking about faith, but it works this way. He he said, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, he he said, if if you're really going to demonstrate love for God in your faith, then that's going to be shown in your living out of life. And so it's that way. So love is a choice wrapped in an action and delivered without reservation. Now think about that. Have you ever had somebody to give you something, but you could tell they didn't want to? Come on, you ever experienced that? Or they just happen to leave the price tag on? Some of you are thinking about family members right now that you know that you're going to unwrap gifts this year and the tag's still going to be on it. And they're going to go, oh, I didn't mean that. But they do that every year. Oh, I love you. Keep your old gift. Come on, really. I mean, if it's a nice one, you want to keep it. But otherwise, you kind of want to give it back. You know, if it's that chocolate-covered cherries, just take it back. You know, give me some, you understand? There's this aspect that true love is a choice wrapped in an action but delivered without reservation. Now, let me show you that. Jesus Christ had a choice. He didn't have to come, but he did. The action was is that he showed up as a baby who knows that 33 and a half years later, he's going to give his life. And the word of God lets us know that in a garden, here's what he said. Lord, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What's he saying? I want you to know I love you so much that I am willing, without reservation, to give my life for you. The greatness of the story of Christmas is not about a baby, it's about love. And when we understand that, we will live this season with celebration and rejoicing.